No, you don't get to do that. That's my idea. Oh. Why can't I use it? Because it's my idea. Mine. Mine. <laughs> then why did you even say it? I, 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 I didn't. I was just. I, 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 I had a. It's. Set nine, nine. Wait. What time it, is it, Bill? It's 9 a.m. Saturday, August the 8th, 2020. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Yeah, what an auspicious beginning. Here we are, safely ensconced. Is that what the right word, ensconced? Sure. In in uh, in the treehouse, uh, just kind of hanging out. On a lovely gray morning. Right. And what are we talking about? End times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with it. <laughs> We've been having quite a discussion oh, this morning. Yeah, man. Jesus. Paul should have been on the show, but you know, we strayed yeah, into just, some pretty... It would just go on too know, long know, if true. we did that, too you big. know? Too big a topic. Too big. Well, I was just watching a video upstairs about the Seekers. You were? Yeah. That is just quintessential music. I think that's the first music I ever heard that got into my body in the way that music gets into your body. For some reason, every time I hear it, I'm just... It's, you know, it defines a certain kind of... I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Contentment... Happiness and safety. Yeah, happening. That I re- recall from my youth. It's like I, there was there are smells that go along with listening to the Seekers, that smell like our old house or something like that. It's just I don't know. There's I a... do think that there's something about the music you listen to when you were feeling safe and happy in a childhood yeah. moment yeah. that stay with you because you know i still like this group that i probably would not like if i hadn't listened to it at that time which was the sandpipers oh yeah and they're just a little too oh yeah too well i mean the the seekers are it's very schmaltzy music uh but the harmonies are amazing the recording quality is interesting and amazing the arrangements are fantastic and it's just uh, you know well i still remember listening to the sandpiper records when i was and it was when i was really young mm-hmm. you know like maybe in junior high years i think yeah, yeah so well, it would have been true. it would have been grade school for me when the seekers came into our lives but Anyway, that's just a thing that was be- going on. But before you went upstairs, we before had a lengthy conversation. We did. About good omens. Good omens, yeah. Which yeah. we have recently rewatched. Right. And I realized as as we were watching it that I didn't really know a lot of the stories that they were drawing this from. So, um our conversation was about that, and then I uh, subsequently purchased a bunch of Audible books by Elaine Pagels, who has had a huge influence on my life. She wrote the Gnostic Gospels, which is the book that I read. Right. But she also has written several other books that I didn't even know about. 
So I got those as well. And one of them is The Origin of Satan. And I've just started to listen to it. It is quite fascinating. Quite? Quite. But is it fascinating enough, Diane? Oh, is yes. Is it as fascinating, say, as The Seekers? <laughs> Tolstoy and Tinkerbell, you know? Yeah, so it's been, what has it been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine? I guess it has, because it's gone by awfully fast. The weeks just tend yeah, to just this, do this. Yeah, this week I had, was on furlough, and yeah. it has gone by totally fast for me. Yes. And totally enjoyably. Were you worried that it would not be enjoyable? Or? No, oh, I was not. Because you had plans. I had plans. You had plans. Diane has probably reduced the entire the entirety of our household inventory of things by about a quarter <laughs> this week uh, we had a junk truck come it's not really a junk truck it's a, it's re- a rubbish removal re- rubbish removal good. but they do recycling and they do repurposing and and uh, it's not just you know here i'll haul your crap to the dump for you kind of kind of outfit so uh and Diane put together a truckload of stuff. Not a truckload, just a well, little bit of a truck. But still, it depends on how big the truck was. You know, if it had been a small <laughs> truck, it would have been a truckload. <laughs> but anyway, which was, you know. So. I was being quite ruthless about. But I mean, what you were doing, Diane, was organizing. That's what you were doing. Reorganizing. I knew that when I was going to go on furlough, that I had to have some organizational component to my days because when I was a kid, I loved organization. Even back then, I used to organize my parents' soup kitchen. I mean, not there, just their pantry. pantry. And I just remember the soups. I would line them all up and have them all in one line so that all be kind of like our pantry right now (laughs) kind of like our pantry right over there which is arranged in exactly that way (laughs) i'm surprised that it's not alphabetical but it could be and i probably wouldn't have noticed if it it had been well uh, it's it's amazing to me how time goes by (laughs) with all this stuff that kind of comes into your your house and you don't even realize, especially with food stuff, how long it has been in there. Yeah. Because you might think you just bought it a couple of well, months yeah, man. ago. You open a and... cupboard and it, and to a great degree, it looks like wallpaper. You know, because you're usually you're after one thing in there, and the things that you use the most are right in the front. So you kind of forget about everything that's behind all the things that are right in the front, and they just be kind of become the the thing you look at when you open that cupboard door. You're used to the picture, so the idea of changing the picture just doesn't really enter your mind, you know. I've been on a vast organizational project for a little while, even before furlough. I've been, uh, like, organizing the spice cupboard, which came about because I was cooking it at home a lot more. And I thought, what is all this stuff? I've got to get this organized in here. And... I found so many spices that were long past their expiration or best buy. Yeah. And spices, I love that you said it's actually just starting to be dust or, you yeah. know, uh, because it isn't, it doesn't have the essential doesn't have nature. The, it doesn't of have the spice. spice in it anymore. It's just got, it's just dirt. <laughs> it's basically just dirt. Yeah. 
Inert dirt. And uh, I have really enjoyed doing all these things. And the garage was the thing. Yeah, that's that what I was talking was about, is the garage. Because, you know, tackle. everybody's got a corner of their house where they throw stuff. And, you know, pretty soon you got a big pile of stuff in the corner and you can't even remember what's in there. And obviously it's not essential because you don't ever go back to the pile in the corner <laughs> exactly. to pull things out again, except when you're trying to get rid of the stuff. So, yeah, our garage has always been kind of like that. And the garage is a good thing for that kind of purpose. I remember my garage in Twisp was quite a collection. But anyway. So Seinfeld a, had a very good observation about that. Did he? Which I think we should stick in right here. Okay. Okay. Because there's too many things that this is, this is the problem. Okay, there's too many things. There's, there's, there's a lot of things. You have things, I have things. Holiday time's gonna be a lot more things. I, I don't like having too many things. I'm a thrower-outer. That's my personality type. I'm a thrower-outer. If I have something, I really don't want it. I wish, I wish there was a store where I could buy something, pivot, and just throw it down a chute into an incinerator, walk out, no bags. That's my perfect shopping experience. Now, my wife, of course, is the opposite. This is marriage. This is the beauty. The conflict is the beauty of marriage. My wife is a saver. She's a keeper. She grips, grasps, everything is organized. Every styrofoam peanut is numbered, cataloged, filed. I will throw anything out at any time. Where's the wedding album? I thought you were done with it. And that was wrong. I admit that now. Those were special memories, and they're gone now. But the point is this. All things on Earth only exist in different stages of becoming garbage. Okay, your home is a garbage processing center where you buy new things, bring them into your house, and slowly crapify them over time. Okay, this is your life. Oh, you're all excited when you get something, right? You bring it in, you open it on the kitchen table, the place of honor for the new arrival. You read the instructions, fill out the registration card. You may even join the club of other idiots that have this thing. And then some time goes by, and it slowly begins to dawn on you that maybe you're not going to be quite as keen on drying out fruit and storing it in your basement <laughs> as you thought. So what do you do? You have to demote it. Objects start the highest level, visible in a living area. From there, it goes down to a closet, cupboard or drawer. That's why we have those, so we don't have to see all of the huge mistakes we have made. That's the way it is. From the closet, it goes to the garage, one of the longest phases in trashification, but the most definite. No object has ever made it out of the garage and back into the house. The word garage seems to be a form of the word garbage. That's what it is. Once you're living in the same room as the garbage cans, well, it won't be much longer now. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Jerry. I'm back, baby. His observations are so amazing to me. 
especially about clearing things out. I thought of that skit while I was down in the garage um, clearing all this stuff out. And it's interesting what you have to do in your brain about, okay, so I've got to select these things, and you're basically saying, this can still remain down here because I'm still not sure what to do. (laughs) This uh, definitely has to go to another place in the house, and this has to just go away. away. Mm -hmm. And and to get to the point where you say, it's got to go away, you have to overcome a lot of mental uh, stuff about it. Yeah. One of the, the things that I was thinking is part of the reason why we hang on to stuff is because we made a bad, this is my number one scenario, we made a bad purchase and we feel like we have to lie in our bed, you know, because we made it here. <laughs> I bought this thing. I've got to put up with it, even yeah. though it was not what I wanted. There are so many items of clothing that as soon as I got them, I should have shipped them back, but I forgot or I got beyond the date or whatever. And so then I, they're still in my closet, you know? <laughs> so I just went through and um, one of the things that has been so beneficial for me is this site called Buy Nothing. Yeah. And it's for your neighborhood and you just basically put up things that are... Um, you know, junk to you, junk to you, but not to someone else. Yeah, and that it's not—it's not like it's broken or anything like that. It's right. stuff that works or is operative or, you know, is new but never used. Right. And, yeah. So in that particular situation, I took a lot of these clothes that had never been worn, put them online, said this is the size, you know, the showed a picture, and they were gone within oh. minutes, and. And then you're getting it out to somebody who can use it. And so what that you paid the money? It doesn't really matter. You know, it's done. It's gone. And then another procrastination about getting rid of stuff is that they've been given to you as gifts. And I had a number of things. So, for example, my dad was a real gadget guy. He loved any sort of gadget that you could get. Uh, What do you think it was? Was it just kitchen gadgets or was it any gadget? It was any gadget. Any gadget, okay. He loved gadgets, man. Okay. He loved things in the car that would be, you know, just cool. And he, I think he just really enjoyed the cleverness of things, mm. you know. I don't think that it was anything, anything other than that, that he was just like, wow, this is really cool. I really think this is cool. So. Did he have a sweater shaver? I'm sure he did. That he had given me over the course of time, and the reason why I say it's from both my parents, but I know it was my dad's love of gadgets. He had given me an electric can opener, a Citromatic, which was, uh, it's basically a A juicer juicer for for lemons and limes and and oranges because my dad loved, both my parents loved uh, Fresh fresh orange juice. And what else? He's, he at one point gave me an electric egg poacher. Oh, yeah. And I think I remember the electric egg poacher. Didn't you have that stuff? No, I didn't oh. because the very first weekend, he gave it to me on Christmas. The very next day, 
he decided he was going to poach eggs for us. And he had this idea that he was going to do it with, uh, because the egg poacher um, containers, you know, how they contain the, little the eggs, cups, little the cups. little cups, yeah. they were made out of Teflon. And they were supposed to be great because they'd be Teflon. And, and he put in, he had this idea that he was going to poach them in half and half. I don't know why. And it totally destroyed the Teflon. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. So the very first, and he felt so bad about it. And I was thinking, that's okay. <laughs> no problem. Really? Really? No problem. Anyway. Yeah. So you had a bunch of those kinds of appliances. Those kind of appliances. But they were and... like new. Yeah. Even though they may be 20 years old. They were yeah. like new. Yeah. So that's another common procrastination item, I think, is because somebody gave it to you as a gift. And even though you don't like it, you feel like, but what if they come over? Yeah. And what if they, you know, yeah. I couldn't even believe this stuff that I found in the kitchen cabinet. <laughs> I didn't even know why I had these things still, you know? Yeah. So that's that's, so that's my other thing, and the other thing is just that frugality of, yeah. of which is I think is another thing that is passed down from the parents. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But you might need it someday. Yeah. You might need this thing. Sure, you, you may know? not want to use it right now, but you didn't exactly. get you didn't get rid of the rice cooker, did you? I don't even know where. Do we have a rice cooker? Don't we have a rice cooker? <laughs> I don't didn't, know. Maybe we already got rid of the rice cooker. <laughs> I thought it was down on the bottom of the. Pan. No. No rice cooker in there? No rice cooker. Found, maybe. A, found a popcorn popper We've in got there it. that I forgot I had. Yeah. And I, I was... I think that came from Twisp. That and made man, a lot of, it was dusty. And... I made a lot of popcorn in that popcorn popper. used to fill up grocery sacks with popcorn for the kids. I remember that. Yeah. But I anyway... A, I just have a grocery sack of, of popcorn laying on the end of the kitchen counter. And if anybody was peckish or, you know, just happened to be passing by, they could grab some popcorn. There was something so freeing about this project. <laughs> it was like overcoming all these mental obstacles and just saying, do I use it? No, it's gone. Do I use this? No, it's gone. Does this fit? Do I no, wear this? Does this fit me? No, it's gone. For example, in the apparel uh, line, I had all these pants that I have, because I wear things until they are literally me getting too. holes me in too. them and are... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Case in point, the shirt I am wearing <laughs> at this moment. The reason the sleeves are rolled up as far as you can see, the elbows are completely blown <laughs> exactly. out. Have been for some time, but this is the most comfortable shirt. Well, it's different if you still love the thing. I know. But, you know, there are a lot of these. I had these pants that I had bought. Everybody's got fat pants and skinny pants. Well, these are pants that would be fat or skinny because they're sort of stretchy oh, material. Yeah, right. But the they they were this really nice material that always looked dressy. Mm. And if I wore it, it was just <coughs> perfect. But they fit me perfectly, yeah. um, whether I was fat or thin. They always looked dressy. But they were blown out in the seams at um, in my right by my butt. <laughs> and I what had were always, you planning to do with them? You were going to mend them? I was going to. I was thinking about mending them, but I was thinking at one point, wait a minute, it's that kind of material that's so s slippery that I don't think I'd be able to do it. So, I mean, I just started going, these have more than done their job in the world. They get to go to their maker, man. Anyway. 
it was an amazingly freeing project and I got my organizational hit for the week. But I think that's why the week went so fast for me is because I had a deadline. I had the rubbish yeah. folks coming. And all, so it was also a doable project for you. Because, I mean, the garage is not, I mean, even before this week, the garage was not as bad as it has been. No. It was more cluttered looking down there because we had uh, some old furniture down there. We'd gotten our new chairs here in the living room, and our old chairs were down there, one of them. And that took up a lot of space. And so it looked more more densely packed down there than it used to be. Well, when you have two people move in together. That was 13 years ago. I know, but we've been winnowing through the stuff. um, Man, you didn't have to get a construction dumpster like I did when I left Twisp. I had to get one of those those ones they got to bring in on a flatbed and they drop it off in your driveway. It's like... I still remember helping you clearing out the house. Uh, Wow. But even so, you and you winnowed down most of your house, I'd say. Yeah, I took a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house and fit it all into a U-Haul van. The reason why uh, why we really wanted to do this project, too, is originally we were thinking about giving the chairs away. And then when we had... Uh, Alice come over on Father's Day. On Father's Day, yeah. we realized that it's kind of nice to have a, a way that we can have a socially distanced conversation, and we decided to do it in our garage with these chairs. Because right, you can just open the garage door. Yeah. Uh, so you got lots of airflow, and you can sit, you know, ten feet apart or something like that, and still uh, hear Which each is other. about what we did, I yeah. think. I don't think yeah. we were even six feet apart. Just got to back the car out, and suddenly you got your uh, boardroom. You got your exactly. Uh, you know, and it's very fancy. Well, actually, our garage. When you first were moving over here, I oh. decided to do do up the garage, like because uh, our garage is very. First, I was here when that yeah. was going on. We our garage was very deep, room. so I decided that the the part in front of the car. Uh, would be sort of a library of sorts because we've got so many books and between the two of us we had so many books so uh, I thought well it'd be nice to have a little area that we could just have that looks like a little library downstairs another little room so I had painted it this uh, kind of a aubergine color eggplant color um and have and now that we have furniture down there and I had a an old rug that used to be upstairs kind of a Arabian type of rug um in that area and it looks so it looks nice it looks fancier than most garages would so it's a good space so it's good that you get that get that done it's not done but yeah. Took a big bite out of that project. That's for sure. So, yeah, and I did my Tuesday night thing again, which was fun. And you read your own poetry. I read my own poetry. And I guess I'm going to read some more of my own poetry on this Tuesday. I gotta, you got to help me on that. I'd be happy to. Sure you would. Sure. <laughs>
And all the all the regulars still showed up. I know. I guess it's an okay thing to be doing. You know, it doesn't just it's not just, you know. <laughs> Bill feeds his ego for an hour. It's not just that, Diane? No. Okay, so what about music? We had one last, well, actually there are two last formative albums, but... um, There's two? Victory Music Review for me. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I just, I thought we would end up the formative album phase because... The main thing about the Victory Music Review, the reason why it was my formative album, is because it was a project that I... You were a part of. I was a part of. Well, I mean, and we could definitely... I mean, we could get several weeks' worth of music out of that collection, just because yeah, it's... Yeah, it's all local artists. Various and, artists. Yeah. So that yeah. was what... I didn't really want to... Do you have that on CD? That was the thing, too. I was trying to... I know that yeah. we... We no, translated it to digital at one point, but I don't know where it is. I know, and, I've got, I yeah. think I've got a CD yeah. copy of it somewhere. Well, anyway. But both I, Bill and I, in fact, when you were putting up your formative albums, I was thinking, which Jethro Tull will he choose? Because I thought you might choose Songs from the Wood or, you know, something like that. It was either the one I chose or Minstrel in the Gallery. Yeah. I think those were the two most influential. When I remember when I first got into Jethro Tull, it was... Heavy Horses? Heavy Horses. And once I got into Heavy Horses, I was... And this, was this was all in Alan and Tim's dorm room at Whitworth. That's where I got my Jethro Tull fix. But I think the second thing that I heard uh, that just blew my mind was side two of Minstrel in the Gallery. What well, starts out with one white duck, zero to the tenth power, oh. was nothing at all. When I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm fully cooked. I am done. Hit, in, in, the singing on that song is oh, some of the most amazing singing I have ever heard in my life. And it's something, you know, it, it, it evokes the idea in my mind of the Seekers. Because what defined the Seekers was the voice. And what defined Jethro Tull, in my mind, was the voice of Ian Anderson, which is unlike any other singing voice I've ever heard. Same with Judith, I can't remember her last name, the woman in The Seekers. You know, always know that voice. And that's why when Ian's throat blew out, I kind of, I started, my interest in Jethro Tull was kind of tragically muted. I like some a lot of the stuff that they did after that. Ian's always been an amazing songwriter, but when when he couldn't sing like he used to, yeah, uh, it was it was harder to listen to for me just because I felt God. This song, if this song had his voice in it, yeah. his real voice, you know, uh, so that's kind of was always my thought, and it limited his range so much and stuff like that. But anyway, well, when I first heard Heavy Horses, <laughs> I had not been a huge Jethro Tull fan because all I had ever heard you know we're talking about Jethro Tull again we've never talked about Jethro Tull before on the show Diane it's good that we're finally getting to this because we've never pardon me I'm gonna have another drink of coffee we've <laughs> never talked about our history of Jethro Tull with Jethro Tull you 
boy. What we like about heavy horses. That's good coffee. We've never mentioned that before. Well, but that's the way conversations go. If right. somebody's listening, somebody who's listening may not have ever heard oh, any okay. of our past right. episodes. Right. And we're just talking, right? We so, are. But when I... When I was listening, I had heard some things on the radio, and I liked them all. Yeah. Um, I loved Living in the Past. I loved Bungle in the Jungle. Yeah. But when I was lent the Heavy Horses uh, CD. Really? Lent? Lent. By whom? By Rick. Ah. He was a big Jethro Tull fan. Okay. And he had lent me some various albums that he really liked, and The Heavy Horses was one of them. And I remember that of the grouping, see, I've never even told you this. Oh. And so... Of the grouping. Of the grouping of CDs that he lent to me, I don't even remember what the other ones were. You know, I just... Oh, no, I do! Water Boys, oh. Fisherman's Blues. Damn. So the two that he lent me became two of my favorite groups. Um, I just was totally blown away by both of those albums. Um, but I remember the when I listened to it, the whole, it's like a... A door opening, isn't it? I mean, there's, I'd never heard anything like it. Um, and it certainly wasn't what I was anticipating for Jethro Tull. Um, from the moment that it starts off, it's just like, whoa, what, what's this? What? This? The opening time signature. Oh, of Mouse man. Please Never Sleeps is just. What? Where am I? Exactly. It's like right with stale green eyes, swishing through the rye grass. It's like a Alice in Wonderland experience, don't you think? Yes, but the way it hits your body is something. I mean, that's what the Seekers was. An experience like that was. It was transformative because. It's something that was like a vibration out in the world that harmonized with the vibration inside you. you That's know? right. And it felt like a completely unique experience. You know, it's like I and you would try to make other people understand it. You'd you try to evangelize a little bit. I remember I brought two of my college professors back to my dorm room one day because I had been talking to them so incessantly about. Songs from the Wood, I believe, is the album that I was totally into at that point. And I had talked to them about this and just the literary quality of these songs and the and that something that there was a combination of something folkish, something ultra modern, and something classical all together in this one music. And you know, and something ancient. The, yeah. I mean, not even classical, but it's like got some sort of ancient call in yeah. it or something. Right. And so you you know, finally, I convinced Leonard Oakland and Phil Eaton to come back to my dorm room, which I believe <laughs> I can't even believe I did this. But they sat and listened, and they 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 seemed pleased. I think Leonard especially was very appreciative, and uh, it was just such an odd day because. That was the dorm room where at the and I actually got a note at the beginning of the next year from the guy who had been the head resident in my dorm that when the 
he got he had gotten a report from the housekeeping people who had gone in because they go in and they do a deep clean of the rooms during the summer, you know. They said they got about a quart of marijuana seeds <laughs> uh, by vacuuming the carpet in my room. Uh, it was like this <laughs> sound, and it was all marijuana seeds. Yeah, I was kind of proud of that note. I probably still got it some. <laughs> anyway, well. So yeah, Jethro Tell. I remember when I listened to that album, I couldn't stop listening to it. And when it got to the song Heavy Horses, it was like epic to me. And there are songs, you know, I always have music in my head, always. But uh, I'm always thinking of some song, sort of like almost like a soundtrack in my mind. But for some reason, Heavy Horses often comes to my mind because I love the line about a tumbling sky brewing. A heavy horse and a tumbling sky. Brewing heavy, heavy weather. weather. So every time that the sky looks like that, that line comes to me and I start thinking about that song. See, now we start talking about this album and I start revising the song that I want to pick. You know, Because for me, the song, that made me love Jethro Tell. And this was from, I was in one building and the music was blaring out of the window of the building across the courtyard from me. And I had this inkling that these two guys that had been in poetry writing class with me that previous spring were living down there because I saw seen them going in and out. And you know, I'd, they were the kind of people you'd say hi to and stuff like that because you'd been in a class with them. But and this was during the summer in Spokane, and it was like 100 degrees, and it had been 100 degrees for some days. And I would sit in my little dorm room, and I had a box fan, and I would just sit in front of the box fan. But I was, you know, writing in my notebook and doing whatever. And then I would fill the bathtub in the dorm with cold water and go and sit in it. Because I think I was the only person living in that dorm in the summertime, because this was summertime, and there was, you know, you would arrange for summertime housing uh, on campus. And uh, I was also working, doing a work-study job at the with the maintenance department on campus. So, And I don't know what Hicks and Vernon were doing, but they had taken, and I've told the story on the show, I know, but I'm telling it again because what, what Diane said earlier. They had, they had two rooms on the first floor of Achille, and one of them was a corner room. And the corner room was that were always bigger. And Hicks, that had been Hicks's room because he had been an RA uh, in that dorm. And so the RAs got the, got the corner rooms. What they had done is they moved both of the beds, both of their beds, into the small room next door. And they had made the corner room into, like, their man cave. <laughs> and they had, they had put their two stereo, the best components from both of their stereos together in that room. And they had both of their record collections been moved in there. And there was a couch and a couple other chairs. And, you know, it was just party room, basically. I've noticed I've been doing a lot of this lately. Probably because my arm hurts. I tend to pound on the arm of the chair. I'm sorry about that, folks. Um, so I heard the music. And I would hear music every day coming out of that room because they would just be in there partying all day because it was summertime. And uh, I heard the... I'd heard music coming out of there a lot, and most of it was music I knew and was familiar with. But when I heard the song Rover, they had just bought Heavy Horses. And I don't know where I was when they were playing Side 1, but Rover is the first song on Side 2. 
when I heard that song, I said, that's it. And I got up and I walked across the place and I knocked on the door. And I said, what is this music? And they were like, hey, come on in. And that is the story of my life. I mean, that, is, that was a pivotal moment in my history that uh, remains vivid and ongoing to today. Well, I see it was those guys every other Sunday on Zoom now. <laughs> and for me, the album was pivotal because it awakened my interest in in so many of the things. I mean, I've I've described before how our house is decorated the way it is because of heavy horses and songs from the wood. You know, I I loved the the sort of medieval you know hearkening back to other sorts of stories and i just fell in love with that kind of time you know the the subject matter that jethro told spoke of in those three albums that i always think of that more their minstrel type of stuff uh it it just changed me and so this, uh, I would say... What's the, what's the third album? Songs from the Wood, Heavy Horses, and... Minstrel in the Gallery. Oh, of course. Those three were... And I loved a lot of the other ones, but those three were like, there was something so magical yeah. about it for me. And uh, groundbreaking, earth-shattering, uh, Alice in Wonderland, you know, that I just... To this day, when I listen to the songs, I can just sink into those songs. But I, I don't know. I'm, to choose a, a song from the album is so difficult. And I said that you should choose one and I should choose one. And, and you asked me what I would choose. And I said either Moths or Heavy Horses. Because of all the songs, I love them all. But... Moths really grabbed me not only because of the pure beauty of the song, it's yeah. purely beautiful, it's a beautiful song. but also because of the subject matter. It, it just really uh, makes my, my brain tick uh, along a certain kind of a line. Yeah. Life's too long, as the lemmings said. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I loved it. And still love it. And I would say, if anybody had a, you know, if I had to choose just a, because my formative albums aren't all the albums I would choose, like if I was on a desert island and only could take 10, but Heavy Horses would definitely be in that. Both one of the most formative and one of the ones I would always select yeah. because. I can uh, always listen to that album. It's, I can always I, listen to it too. I'm never tired of it. It just does not, not get old for me because it was already old when it came out. But what, what struck me when I, when I would listen deeply to Jethro Tull and I would, you know, headphones and just because it was, I kept thinking they didn't need to do this. They didn't, they didn't need to do all of this to make this song so good. And yet they did. And there was something about the, the time that was taken to make the sound the way this, the, 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 it ended up on the recording just seemed... You know, because, you know, rock and roll is supposed to be kind of, you know, the hairy guy music. It's kind of, you know, it's supposed to be kind of sloppy, you know, or something. Mm -hmm. 
But this was so precise and so well orchestrated and arranged. And the, the changes in the time signatures and stuff like that, it was just like, wow. That, that they took that kind of, and they made it kind of prog rock because there's kind of that, that whole school of kind of progressive rock, which was kind of classically based much more orchestrational uh, in its arrangements and stuff like that, defined by bands like Yes and, you know, Kansas and Sticks and those kind of bands. Uh, but Jeff Hotel didn't really fit into that kind of area for me in that because they were so much folk and so much kind of Celtic and so much classical and so much kind of just, I don't know, the European kind of, sound that going back to the druidic times you know it's just this timeless qualities to these things and it was in the way the songs were put together yeah. and it became more and more uh a part of the subject matter of the songs themselves starting with songs from the well for starting with minstrel in the gallery which came out first because minstrel in the gallery came out and then after that was too old to rock and roll too young to die which was a totally different kind of thing but it had some of those elements in it well, and there were songs from other albums that oh, yeah, still that have those elements, like Dunrin Gill. I yeah. just love that. Oh, yeah. I would put Stormwatch in that same group yeah. for me because it's just, it's it's the same. They're still talking about the same kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. And they go back to it, too. Catfish Rising is, is, is uh, amazing in that regard. You know, and even, you know, uh, Crest of a Knave. Songs, songs like that. Well, you and I could talk endlessly about Death Row because we, we have. Yeah. <laughs> in in the confines of our own living room, we have talked endlessly about Death Row Toll and yeah. our love of Death Row Toll. That's true. <clears throat> so, um, you've picked moths, or do you have something else you have to no, say? No, I I think I'm gonna <coughs> say moths just because, uh, just because. What and, is yours? <laughs> I have changed mine. It has to be Rover. It has to be just because I, uh, just I because talk about it. First... I want to hear it again. Yeah. And it's the song that made me love Jethro Tull. So buckle oh, up, folks. What? The one thing I was going to tell you, and I forgot, is that I had, had done a whole selection of my favorite Jethro Tull songs on my iPod. And I listened to that selection of group almost every morning on my commute just because I never get tired of Jethro Tull. So sit the chain and I'm up 
Satan's life Leeches on the candle On the night's light Riding dipping and weaving Flutter through the golden needle's eye In our haystack madness Butterfly stalking on the springtime Too much spinning in the right hand 